This is Sharp. This is Barb. And this is Plug, Plug Your, Your ears. ears, where we sit back, chat a little, laugh a lot, and talk and about anything we want. Anything we want. We're open, we're honest, and we're definitely not PC. So uncork that wine bottle tonight, guys. And plug your ears. Because we are drinking wine again. Look we're at that. Riding. Char has decided that screw the diet for the holiday week. Because <laughs> that ain't happening. Um, <clears throat> oh, and once we get off air, Barb, remind me to tell you about the couple of things that happened at work today. Totally off topic. Okay, so today's topic is... Bum, bum, bum. Christmas murders. No shit, we're going to talk about murder? A little bit. Why do we talk about murder? Because we like it. Hmm, maybe we should get another topic. Should we change topics? You should just be quiet. <laughs> that's, my, that's how we say be quiet in my house because when my kids were little, I would not allow them to say shut up because, well, that's rude. And so we made them say be quiet and my middle daughter at the time couldn't say be quiet so she would say be quiet Jordan. <laughs> That's okay. Kayla's 17 and still calls a remote a marote. <laughs> marote. So I'm going first. Whoop, whoop. Party, party. And Barb so, said it's super short tonight, which scares yeah, the bejesus out of me. A couple pages, that's it. All right, so I'm going to talk about Aziz. <laughs> so Barb texted me today. Mine's even got a name I can't pronounce. Imagine that. I'm like, I hold do. on. I'm like, let's practice surprise face. <laughs> and it's the first word and she I've tries been, to say. I've been practicing saying his last name, but you see the, the pause. Yazdan Panna. He was 56. He and his wife were estranged since March. And this was in 2011. Oh my God, I was about to go in. When did he get murdered? Never mind, it's a fucking Christmas murder. <clears throat> um, and she had an apartment with their son, Ali, 15, and daughter, Nona, 19. Um, the wife's name is Nazrin, and she was 55. Nona often came to school saying that her dad was crazy and he was very strict with her and he would, he'd take her phone away as punishment. He'd go through her phone, checking text messages, phone log history. Um, so in this case, it's not the bitches be crazy. No, the it's bastard. the Baba be crazy. And she sounds like she's Indian and they call her dad yeah. Baba. So it's Baba's be crazy. Which yeah, he did go by Bob. But yes, they were, they were, I, uh, I forgot where they're from. Uh, Iran? This sounds like they're Middle Eastern, just by the name. So, yeah, true to Irene, Irene, Middle Eastern form, he was very possessive and very protective of his daughter. He would, he would like, um, na he nailed shut her window so she couldn't sneak out. Oh, it's not a bit. Oh, do you guys hear that? Do you hear that? <clears throat> That's Char's second glass of wine. Um, in, the home, in the family home, he put cameras up throughout the house to keep track of the goings, you know, family's goings. Uh, and um, often her mom and her brother would, like, step in and intervene, like, for her. Like, mom would um, give her her phone back if dad took it away. Oh, okay. And her brother. Good cop, bad cop. Well, she was 19 and the brother was 15 and, and he would like give her, her his phone to let her use it um, when she didn't have, you know, her own. Um, and, she, and he was very, care, yeah, very carefully 
monitored what she wore, like she wasn't allowed to wear certain things. She wasn't allowed to date until she was a certain age, which I looked up several different articles and I couldn't figure out what that certain age was. But once she was allowed to date, she was not to, allowed to date outside her race or religion. That's not uncommon either. Um, apparently they also had financial struggles. Uh, the house that the family home that mom and the kids moved out of in March was in foreclosure. Um, oh, the mom's name is Fatima. What did I say it was? Yasmin or something like that? I think they, that's her, like her last name because sometimes they go by their last name. I know name. a couple of Indian Fatimas. Um, until Fatima moved into, she lived in, she moved into Grapevine, Texas apartment with the kids. It had been foreclosed on, although Aziz was still living there. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. She moved out of Aziz's house? In March. But he was still living there, but it had been foreclosed oh, on. okay. Okay, gotcha. The family home had been foreclosed on. Gotcha. She moved into an apartment. And um, he, his real estate business was not doing so well. And a couple of the articles made it seem like maybe he wasn't a very go-getter, kind of like typical Midi Middle Eastern, take care of your family kind right, of guy. Right, and they are go-getters. They are workaholics. Um, and they had declared bankruptcy. Which is uncommon for Middle Eastern. Yeah. So mom worked in, uh, Fatima worked in a nearby salon. Nona was a student at uh, Tarrant Community College, and Ali was a student at Colleyville Heritage High School. Fatima's sister, Hossein Zarai, was 59, and her brother-in-law, Hossein, I don't know if that's right, owned a Cedar Canyon dude ranch. No shit! I love dude ranches! In Lancaster, Texas. It was like an event center. Their daughter, Sarah, 22, ran the marketing for the center and was pre-med at U University of Texas. Now that sounds like a Middle Eastern. Right. <laughs> so um, Sarah was just like, you know, I mean, she worked at their dude ranch with salon. They called it salon or they called it like a spa sometimes and they called it like a event court place so I'm not exactly sure but she worked there pre-med and she also like did a lot of volunteering and she would organize greetings of soldiers at Dallas Fort Worth Airport making signs to welcome the troops home oh I love her already yeah so apparently they had had a party at the ranch on Christmas Eve that Aziz was not invited to well you shouldn't be they kind of separated and um, I think that may have caused part of the rift. Um, plus, it's also said that he was a little bit jealous that um, Fatima was doing well and he wasn't. And like the house, I guess, you know, she left him with virtually no furniture, no running water, no electricity. And he, you know, he, he didn't want to, I don't know if he didn't want to work or it was just not, you know, what, for whatever reason, he was falling upon hard times. So... He was there and she was in this apartment and um, so around 11, 10 a.m. And it said a female victim, but it didn't specify which female victim texted a friend saying that the family had just exchanged gifts and that Aziz was there dressed as Santa. And one of the texts said something like, oh, so now he's going to try. This is really great. Now he's going to try to be father of the year or something like that. So I'm assuming maybe it was the daughter or the niece. Hmm. Um, just minutes later, police received a 911 call that sounded like silence. Sergeant Roger 
Eberling of Grapevine Police Department listened to the call again, and then I, get, I think they did like, like they tried to. I, I don't know. The call. There's there's other different ways to listen to it where you can hear. You know, there's different like EVP, like their ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says that you could hear someone in a raspy voice saying, "Help me." The caller sounded out of breath, and the call went dead after like 15 or 20 seconds. So when, not long enough to trace. Well, I don't know how, but it didn't really say. And I read all, um, most of my stuff came from like CBS News um, websites, stories. Didn't really say, but then it said m minutes later when the police got there, they found the bodies of all six victims and the gunman. who turned the six? Well... Yeah. The mom, the two daughters. The mom, the son, and the daughter. The sister-in-law. Oh, the, the brother-in-law okay. and the niece. Or the, okay. You know, Fatima's sister, the brother-in-law, and then the 22-year-old. Okay, I forgot about the sister and the brother-in-law. Yep. Um, and then he shot himself. Um, but there was a... Two handguns were found amongst the presents in the wrapping paper. And one of the news stories that I um, read said something about he kind of tried to stage it to look like the brother-in-law, like, was the shooter. If you're going to kill yourself, who fucking cares? Right. Um, oh, I guess it would be um, honor, right? Well, you know, honor would be taking care of your family, dude. But anyways. Or not shooting up. <coughs> Excuse me. But, you um, know, I hate to nitpick. So later they <laughs> discovered the audio from the 911 call. And I don't know, like, with their technology or whatever, they were able to hear Aziz saying, I'm shooting people, as someone in the background was saying, help me. Mm, did they say it just like that, Barb? Yes. Help me. Help me. Well, I'm sure it was more raspy and, like, because all of the victims were shot at least once in the head. Oh. So I wasn't really the able. The fact that they could even say help me is amazing if they got shot in the head. At least once, it said. I wasn't able to, like, I looked up different, and it was all, like, after-the-fact news stories. Of course, there were no survivors, so I wasn't able to get any kind of, like, first he shot, you know, right, he walked in and said this. Right, at that point. You know, there, there was no, like, eyewitness account of what exactly happened. But basically, he showed up at Christmas morning at 11 a.m., uh, they unwrapped presents, and then he just went on a shooting spree and shot them up. His entire, his children... His wife, estranged, and his in-laws in the head. Fucking people, I tell you what. In 2011. That was an old... That was an old 11? Oh, 11. It was an old 11. It was two oh 11. Old 11. <laughs> I feel smart. Thank God I'm pretty. <laughs> so. Told you I was short today. It makes me extremely, extremely excited for my story, though, because... So you got all the deets that I don't have? I got all the deets that you don't have, including the fucking 911 call. Oh, you suck ass. I know! So let's start my story with saying, got my information from ocregister.com, Wikipedia, Wicka Wicka, and AETV, and Oxygen.com. So, not that everybody that listens to the show doesn't oh, already. Oh, wait, can I pause oh, you for just uno momento por favor? Yep. Because I do have, and not that any of y'all are going to get to see it, but there's a crime scene. Oh my god, I got a picture too! Of the, and it's just an apartment It's building. like a, a townhouse condo type thing. Well, yeah, that she got an apartment yeah. because she had a job. Mmm! Bitch could pay her own bills, huh? Yeah. 
So I think it, that was probably part of it, you know, the shame of not being able to take care of my family and not being invited to this party and yeah. yada, blah, blah. Well, we've got a couple of things in common on our stories. Okay. Like, did you see me every now and then I'd perk up and smile? I'm like, I got that too! So let's talk. All right, but halfway through your story, we're going to have to take a break because, you know, I was short this week. That is true, that is true. And you know my bladder. I do know your bladder, and you're already on the second glass, so it's going to happen soon. So, let's get down to business. Bring it. Bring it, bring it. So, <laughs> I've just said so like 15 times. So let's say it again. So, not that everybody that listens to this show doesn't already know this, but I'm kind of in love with the West Coast. I mean, granted, most of my stories come from Florida. Just because I got you a homesick candle oh. from Vegas. Barb got me a Las Vegas homesick candle, and I'm not one to cry. But I'm not going to lie, my chest kind of tightened up a little bit. And I don't know if it was sad that I'm not in Las Vegas or like I wanted to hug this candle because it felt like home. It's very cool. And I know we're not plugging companies anymore, but homesick, you know what? If you're listening, we'll thank take sponsors. you. It was Even screw the sponsorship. If you're listening, thank you from people like me who are somewhere that I love my people here. But the state itself, the area itself, I am not happy here. Home is Las Vegas. I am happy in Las Vegas where it's warm. It's not. So they have candles there on the site from like cities and states. You can just get a Michigan one. I could have gotten a Nevada one. Or Nevada. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, not I, to be finicky and nitpicky, but. I was like, Nevada? What it's, the fuck is that? Oh, one of the girls Nevada. that. One of the girls that I was talking to. Oh my God, to, I'm going to Nevada. One of the girls that I was talking to to prepare for my mother's memorial, and I felt so bad because she kept talking about Nevada, and I just kept going, Ugh. yeah, no, and I, I didn't want to be the bitch that, that was like, it's Nevada, like cat Nevada. But they're each separately, you know, like they're each very distinctive, like sense of that region or area. So this Las Vegas one literally smells like the because. I don't know if anybody's been to Vegas, but most people have. And when you walk into the casinos, a lot of people don't realize this. They actually pump smell into the casino. Mm -hmm. This candle smells like the fucking flamingo. Is the, is it the smells flamingo like the flamingo anywhere? so much. Yes. Oh, it, is? it smells like the flamingo so much that I can actually pinpoint. This smells like the fucking flamingo. Which is awesome because when I got it in the mail and I opened it, I was like, ooh, this smells really good, but... I just, nope. Yeah, it smells like the fucking flamingo. It, yeah, it has, they all have like their, you know, this was like desert and casino and money and. You know. Oh yeah, I had the cutest little card talking about how it's the desert, the casino, and it's, it's topped with a little bit of cold, hard cash. <laughs> and like, um, what was it, like spices from some of the restaurants? Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty it's, jazzy, cool thing. It's genius, and I love it to a point where it almost choked me up, which... Mm. I know it's not it sounds, an easy thing to do. Right, that's what I was going to say, is I know it sounds like I'm being a bitch because it almost choked me up, but if no, y'all knew me, almost choked me up is really Huge. a lot. Like, it took someone I care about's father and watching her children cry at a funeral to actually choke me up. Yeah, I've seen her cry. Well, I mean, like, I, I didn't... 
see her cry at my dad's funeral, but she did tell me about it. But I've actually only ever seen her cry over one event. And it was watching Jordan cry. Literally. Jordan. I've, I've seen you cry when, when you got a call from your sister that said you need to get over here and see mom. And then I've seen you cry, you know, since then about your mom. But yeah, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, I'm not a crier. I'm not emotionally. Emo me? I'm not emotionally. I'm not emotional. It takes me a lot to get choked up, and this candle got me choked up. So good on you, homesick, because it truly made me homesick. <laughs> I think you should put it in your bedroom next to your bed because it has really, you know, like even if you I don't I love burn where it. it's at right next to my Weimariner farts because it's the two things that I love. Well, but if you'll I smell it get... while you're sleeping. That is true. And you'll go to Vegas in that your That is true. I... Not that you don't already. And the problem is that I'm a person that believes in if someone buys you a candle, you burn it because the candle's meant to be burnt. And right. if you save it forever. But the Weimariner farts that it's yeah. next to... Is 10 years old, well, six years old, seven maybe, six years old. It's never been burnt because the minute I can't burn my Weimariner farts, I feel like. Well, yes, but you're going to burn the, you're going to burn the Vegas. I candle. don't know if I'll burn the Vegas ever. I might burn the Vegas when I get to Vegas to think no. about Barb. Like, I'll send you a Michigan one then. <laughs> That's the thing. A Lansing one. When It'll I get to Vegas, like come. Water treatment center. <laughs> when I get to Vegas come September. I had to say that so Listen, that Barb doesn't hear it, Barb. You didn't hear that. Listen, I'm just getting over the loss of my work wife. Her last day is Monday. So don't start with me on this right now. Oh my God, you're tearing up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a big crybaby. So you let's get off that. the subject. Thank you. I need more wine. I, think. I have a fucking story to tell people. Good. Let's get have, some murder. I need to I do have get a feeling. This. I do have a feeling that Bullshit. in this podcast, I'm the asshole, which is perfectly okay because guess what? In real life, I'm the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about my West Coast. I am not going to talk about Nevada. I am going to talk about California. What? Usually what? it's Nevada what? I know. or Florida. Nevada or Florida. That's all I give you. But let's go to that. Let's go to Valley. Oh, holy shit. I can't even say Kelly without Vegas trying to creep its ass right See, I went to Texas this week. Yes, I do love Texas. Oh, my God, I love Texas. San Antonio. Oh. Everything's so, bigger in Texas, even the Santa Claus murders. That's true. So let's talk about my favorite place in California. Wait a minute. I just had a thought. Did you think about my favorite place because you've heard it? No. I was thinking about, like... The scarring that would have happened had kids seen Santa Claus murdering a whole <laughs> apartment full of people. And I'm laughing. Oh my about god. It. So Barb, I'm gonna fucking I love you and your story was fabulous. <clears throat> All right. But just wait until and I hate to be No, no I don't I don't I'm laughing. I don't hate to be a fucking bragger on this, but I know, she's been bragging about it all day. We better get on with I, it. Okay. I love that Santa not love that Santa <laughs> <laughs> All I can tell you people that was awesome. She's all, all I can tell you is fucking take this. Let's Grab do your this. ass. Grab your asses. Let's go for a ride. So my favorite place in California is a place called West Covina. West Covina, born and raised. Um, so what's so great about West Covina? Fucking nothing, except for the food. 
I'm a foodie. My favorite thing in the entire world is Mexican food. Yeah, Let's yeah. look at my sweater. So my Christmas sweater that I'm wearing today. Well, we'll, we'll post on our website. Oh, shit. I should look a little bit better when we post plug on our website then. Doc, so Wait, what? what is go it? Plug to your ears? Plug your ears podcast at facebook.com and we will post pictures of Char and her wonderful ugly Christmas sweater that has pinatas that are wearing Santa hats. And what does it feature? The fucking taco. Tacos and some, um, what are those cactuses? Cacti. Mm-hmm. What are they? Kayla called? would kill you if she heard you say cactuses. <laughs> they're cacti. What, they're, um... Pinatas with Santa hats. What kind, and of, what kind of cactus? Cacti are they? They are your basic cacti. No, there's a name for them. We, we did this. I think it starts with a J. I don't fucking know. All right. But let's go get ahead. To the I'll story. Google up since we don't have Google. So, again. My favorite thing oh, is West Covina for Taco de Corona. So, is my story about West Covina? Nope. <laughs> but, screw it, it's close enough to make me think about tacos because my story today is about Covina. Not West Covina, but Covina. Speaking of, did I tell you that I thought I was going to go to HR today because of my sweater? You did. All, all I, all, oh, yep. All I could think of today was that I was culturally insensitive with my sweater. Might be true, but fuck it. Everybody knows I'm insensitive anyway. So, here's my part for you, Barbara Jean. Okay. Covina yes. is a city about 20 miles east of LA. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that's all I got for you. And that's right. only because I drive there. So... If it's 20 miles away, you know, it's about fucking four hours. Right, right. <laughs> right. So it's in the San Gabriel Valley, which is a gorgeous area to drive. Nice, beautiful, windy roads, gorgeous greenery. So if you like that, it's your kind of place. If you ride a motorcycle, go to the San Gabriel Valley. It is also, and I think you've heard, heard me talk about this, it is also the home of Big League Dreams, Barb. Do you know what Big League Dreams is? I do not, but I thought you were going to say Big League Chew, the gum. No, Big League Dreams. <laughs> Big League Dreams. I'm sure I've told you about this before because you're a baseball addict. So Big League Dreams is, now it's started to expand. It was, I mean, it's still the West Coast, but it is um, parks. Like the one in, Cal in Covina is an actual sport, baseball themed park where all of the little leagues get to go play at. Like amusement park? Nope. Oh. Like a sports, oh, park, sports park, where all the little leagues get to play at fields that are based off of major league fields. Oh. So when you see all the little kids playing at like Junior Wrigley Stadium, or like that's, Junior Comerica. Yeah, that's a big gotcha. league. That those are big league dreams. Why do I know this? Not because I love fucking baseball, but you've also heard me talk about. Cause you love me. I do love you, but you've also you <laughs> know the name of my favorite baseball family. Um. I happen to have known the family that owns and operates Big League Dreams. I used to do the legal work for Big nice. League Dreams. So um, I absolutely love this, this family. Oh, my God, I love this family. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? If not, I'll have to tell you off air because you, you've heard me tell you, because you're a baseball fan, that I'm, I knew this family, that I worked for this family, and that when I left... One of their daughters was like, Ishar, I'm going to miss you. And I'm like, oh, she just called me Ishar. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. London called me Ishar. Oh, 
Love London. Well, you know what? I like to consider, consider myself a baseball family because my grandma's cousin was a Tiger Hall of Famer, so the, I'm your favorite baseball this has, family. This family has two Hall of Famers and a movie made after them. Yeah, but are they more... Pause. All right, back to it. Now that I name dropped to bar. I'm not a name dropper on air. I'm not going to name drop. I'm just going to tell you I worked in law in Las Vegas, so I know some pretty fucking cool people. So... Either way, now that we've bullshitted for like 15 minutes, I have a fucking story. <laughs> Did you guys hear it? Did you hear Barb Corner wine? I smell the apple. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Anyways, go ahead. So, go ahead. On December 24th, Covina, California, mm-hmm. 2008. Mm-hmm. So, I know we're supposed to be doing Christmas stories, but it's a Christmas Eve, so mm-hmm. it counts, right? It does count. So, December 24th. I'll allow it. Yay, thank you, Judge. So, on December 24th, 2008, the Ortega family invited all five of their adult children and their families to their home in Covina, California, which is a very quiet, very low-crime community, by the way. Um, So, the Ortegas were Joseph and Alice, and they loved to spend all of their time as much as they could with their two oldest sons, James and Charles, And their daughters, they had three, Leticia, Alicia, and Sylvia. This Christmas Christmas Eve in particular, the family was playing a super exciting, apparently loud and obnoxious game of poker. Um, While the party was in full swings and all the festivities were flowing, the kids were outside by the pool playing. And one 17-year-old boy was upstairs playing on, in the second floor, second floor? second floor playing on the computer so but in the middle bless you in the middle of their holiday celebration the doorbell rings and what unfolded next fucking incredibly gruesome oh my gosh gruesome chaotic chaotica yes exactly so shortly after the doorbell sound sounded the poli- Are you ready with my 911 call? Oh, yeah. The police received I'm 911 calls from the Ortega's neighbor. They The caller cried, come immediately. They're burning down someone's house. Oh, We're now going to play the 911 call. Oh, Ma'am, ma'am, the fire department's there, okay? See where? What are you wearing? Please. 
What is he wearing? Please tell me. My nephew. What is she wearing now? He changed his coat from Santa Claus clothes. Okay, let me know what he's wearing. Black clothes. All black? on neighbor's stores. So he was in a Santa Claus suit, in case y'all couldn't catch that. And yes, the audio was a shitty on our end, but if you want to listen to it, it's on YouTube. So the fire department was dispatched to the Ortega house, and the calls just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. Some even reported that they heard shooting coming from the house. And when the police arrived on the scene, total fucking chaos. One lieutenant said, and I quote, when I arrived, to describe it as apocalyptic would wow. be accurate. So what the fuck happened? Where is the story? What the fuck? So that's it. I'm done. Ta-da. Was the story as good for you as it was for me? No, you're not done. I'm not done? No, you have like 10 more pages. Oh, shit. I got 16 pages of notes. I should probably keep fucking going. So the killer was a guy named Bruce Pardo. Now, this dude showed up at this Christmas party, dressed as Santa Claus. Uh, okay, so, like, let me just visit for a second part of that 911. She was like, there's like 25, how many did she say? 25 people at this Christmas party. That's a pretty good-sized Christmas party. I'll get into this. Okay, go ahead. So, he was dressed as Santa. Do you know the first thought that goes through my mind naturally as I'm reading this? Hmm. If he's dressed as Santa... It would have probably made us friends because I'm the idiot in the fucking tacos Christmas shirt. Right. Right. Exactly. But hopefully I would have been invited to this party. You know who was not invited to this party? Santa. Santa was not invited to this <laughs> Same mother. with me. Right. See? So, you Same. know, you know who was invited to this party? Everybody do you? Else? Do you, Barb? Do you? Do you? Um, everybody but Santa? It's fucking X. Ooh, is he mm -hmm. a strange ex? Oh, we, we hit on the same kind of situation. I told you. Well, she wasn't really invited to the party. She was kind of hosting this party. Ooh. Yeah. So her parents, which is where who she lived with, they had this party. There was approximately 20. Look, she had approximately 25 people well, that's what, over at that's the time. That's what the lady in the 911 call said. Yep. So Bruce opened fire on her guest's from the front door, including shooting a goddamn eight-year-old girl that opened the door in the face. Oh, my God. Now, you know how I feel about child killers, Barb. They need to rot in hell yeah. in the lowest version of hell without fucking air conditioning. But unlike my guy, he did not shoot himself, right? Let's keep going in the story. All right. Jump So, in. he shoots the, the whole family from the front door. Right? Right. Okay. You think the fun fucking stopped there? Nope. He unwraps a Christmas <laughs> present that he has. What do you think this Christmas present is, Barb? Um, a bomb of a fucking, fire. Oh, my gosh. A handmade flamethrower. Mm. Now, I'm a pretty crafty person, but I have never happened to decide or think about or contemplate making a goddamn flamethrower. Well, this is so sick and twisted. That's something we and could use at a bonfire? Are you telling me to make a flamethrower? Because I will accept the chance. No, I will not. Yeah, but for, we could throw it into the dear bonfire pit. Dear police department, I will not accept the <laughs> chance. <laughs> I'm not at home trying to craft together out of duct tape a fucking flamethrower. Okay, no challenge. It's out of no duct tape. No challenge. Challenge is off the table. Duct tape and glitter. <laughs> duct tape and glitter. So, 
The only Ortega family members that police could locate was Leticia, who managed to escape from the fire with her husband. Wait, what happened? To, how, what? Oh, flamethrower. So, like, no, like a flamethrower, like a gun that shot flames. Like uh, think of World oh, War II oh, oh, oh. flamethrower. Right, I'm kind of retarded about that kind of stuff. Oh, you need to get a little bit better at the murder. <laughs> like ways to murder. Right. A duct tape and glitter flamethrower for you. So the only ones that they could locate was Leticia. Wait, can you fashion a glitter thrower instead of a flamethrower? Challenge motherfucking accepted. Yes! <laughs> the I'm, last, only, I'm not using it at my house, though. The last one to drop a challenge like that dropped a challenge on Facebook about who can crochet me a taco Christmas ornament. I had that shit done in three fucking hours. I had not one. This woman, but two. like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I told you I'm pretty fucking crazy. Whatever, crazy lady. Go ahead. I'm not, Go ahead. Only, on. I'm not only not emotional and psycho and kind of murder esque, I'm also a grandma. <laughs> But she's not. I'm not a grandma, but I behave like a grandma. She could have knitted her own sweater today. Don't. Just continue. I'm about to go, continue. bitch, who says I didn't knit this sweater? Um, I, I know. I got the... Um, I do knit. I do crochet. Yeah. Beside that point. And she cross-stitches, too. I cross-stitched Barbara Christmas present. This is your bad influence. <laughs> so. The pictures to follow. Pictures to follow. The only family members that police could locate was Leticia, who managed to escape with her husband and their eight-year-old daughter. Does sound familiar? With the face blown off? They made it to a neighbor's house. With um, their face blown off? Yes. Yes. Um, so then the family made their way to the hospital. While police were busy investigating this whole, they called it the Christmas Eve massacre, while they were investigating that, a neighbor still... A na- wow. <coughs> Investigations in neighboring Silmore, California, mm. were also being conducted at the home of Brad Parda. Brad Parda returned home from a Christmas party, not this one, but a different one, to his brother Bruce lying dead in a, in a pool of blood. Oh. Bruce well, is the killer, dude. Once they arrived, police found a single shot from a 9mm handgun in Bruce's head. There was a 9mm pistol in Bruce's lap, and there was a second on the floor. Police also found another bullet hole in the ceiling that they believe there might have been a second shooter at the scene at first. They also recovered... Oh, that was me because I followed that motherfucker home and I shot right? his bitch ass. They also recovered four 13-round capacity handguns that were empty mm. and 200 rounds of ammunition. Now, Pardo had a plane ticket on him. Um, which made the Kappa Kappas think that it was his getaway plan. But he was a fucking pussy. And he took his Meow. own life shortly after the attack. Meow. But not before starting the fire that consumed that fucking house. Meow. So during his <laughs> Christmas Eve killing spree, Bruce pulled out the homemade flamethrower that sprayed 18 gallons of gasoline on the house. When he did that once he ran out of bullets. But what Bruce didn't realize was that there was two fireplaces that had open flames. So um, those two fireplaces that had open flames made an explosion. Oh, yeah. There were gas fireplaces. Guess who it burned? Not only the whole fucking family, but he got third degree burned uh, to a point where the Santa suit was melted. Good enough for you, dick. So he had the Santa suit custom made. 
We'll talk about that in a second because I don't know why I didn't put it here. I put it later in my notes. But he had the Santa suit custom made and we'll talk about it. So Bruce's vehicle, he had two rental cars. And one was, I can't remember what one was, but one was a Dodge. So the, one of his getaway cars was parked about 500 feet from, feet, 500 feet well, from the house of a guy named Scott Nord, which was Sylvia's, uh, his, her divorce attorney. Oh. See the tie-in, people? See, we circled back around to what? the divorce. U turn So the police believe that Bruce might have been planning on also murdering Scott. So um, this is what the, the article said. They thought that they were planning on murdering Scott, who resided over their somewhat contentious proceedings. You think? Right. Obviously I'm like, what? Divorce isn't somewhat pretentious, you know? Contentious. That's what I said. You said pretentious. <laughs> Fuck two glasses of wine. I need this is why Not I even need, two glasses. This is why I need to tell my stories first. So inside this vehicle, no, I like it better this way. <laughs> have, a, have a drink. Wait, when, I'm gonna make some um, party sounds or go ahead, drink. Shot, 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 shot. Icky, okay. <laughs> so inside the vehicle, police found a Santa suit. And thousands of rounds of ammunition. Well, why'd he run out of bullets then? Check this one out. And all I can think of is Goonies when it said this. The car had been booby twapped <laughs> to explode once the Santa suit was removed. Now, the car did explode, but nobody was injured. So this dude... Take that, loser asshole. Right. Burn leg victim. So here's a fun fact about California, which I never knew, which I kind of think is pretty cool. He bought all his guns from Gun World. He bought five 9mm guns for $999.99 wow. each. But, nine, it, nine, 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 nine. but it took him five months because uh -huh. California will only let you purchase a handgun every 30 days. Good on you, Kelly! Well, they should keep track of this every 30-day progression. Right, well, we'll have to talk about that off air, too. So, now Bruce was six foot four, two hundred and six. 70 pounds it's a so choice, boy he had to have the suit custom built and he had it custom built so that it could hold the rounds of ammunition mm. and seventeen thousand dollars i don't know why my people are always fucking broke but they have shit tons of cash right i work my ass off i never have cash yeah i don't have seventeen thousand dollars to go kill my family right so now i'm not that i would Right. No, we would never ever have a ever, 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 of glitter never, never, or never, ever, ever have a glitter thrower. We would never ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely not a glitter thrower. Definitely. Um, I mean, I would have a glitter thrower. Definitely not. Not in my house. In yours. <laughs> you know, if anybody ever wants to break into my house and check my gun safe, it's just full of glitter throwers <laughs> made of duct tape. <laughs> Be like, damn it, these are handcrafted glitter throwers. They're worth a mill. Um, so in the middle of investigating this whole chaotic scene, police also received a tip from a neighbor. She and her husband had seen the car leaving a cul-de-sac around 11.45, which is when all the 911 calls started coming in. The house fire was started by racing fuel and fed, to, yep, fed to the two fireplaces. So the fire was so engulfing that it took 80 firefighters almost wow. two hours to extinguish this fire. Most of the victims had had to be identified through their dental records. Um, just for the record, 
this is my biggest fucking fear. This is why I'm so scared of fire. It's supposed to be the most painful yeah. way to die. It's also why I'm scared of electricity. It's because electricity causes fire. <laughs> so, all that being said, there was a person named Dr. Renee Carr. I'm very scared to use a pronoun because with a name like Renee, you don't know if it's a he or a she. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Renee really a she, but you never know. Yeah, but if they're French, Renee's a he guy, a he name. So, uh, a he guy? A he guy. <laughs> Not a she guy, a he guy. I. I need to stop fucking drinking. No, so, no you don't. No, sure, I like it when you can't speak. I um, like it when you can't English. Right. I fucking suck at English. So Dr. Renee Carr, who is a clinical psychologist, says, and I quote, because the winter holidays have a strong promotion of being family holidays, murder during these times is often associated with the killing, with the killer having recently lost a loved one. Sound familiar? Having an Both of our a- stories. Right. Having anger towards a rejecting former lover or spouse or being mm-hmm. resentful of a family member that appears to have it all. Mm. Carr nailed it. Right. Friday. Carr also says that often the psych- psychopath psychopathology behind holiday rage and murder is a lack of empathy for the lives of their other human beings or living things. Well, yeah, my guy killed his own damn kids. Right. This is most likely born from a childhood of the murder. That the child, if they are severely neglected or abused, or psych- whether psychologically or emotionally and or sexually. As an adult, the person will unconsciously traffer, transfer these feelings and thoughts into rage that ultimately can lead to aggression and possibly murder. So once a murderer, always a murderer? Yeah. So. See, I'm like, you know, that I guess you can translate this into this as well, because you know how they say once a cheater, always a cheater. Right. I say. Some people, it's who they are. Some people, it's what they do. So I think the same can be said for murderers. Possible true. Because, you know, guys like Dahmer who have, like, I mean, that's who they are. Dahmer was sexually abused when he was younger. But that's who he is. He was still sexually abused when he was younger, so is it? Yes, it is, because that made him the person that he is, which is a murdering eater. But something caused them to become the person that they are. It's all that this doctor said. So, the police didn't think their deaths were purely coincidence, and they believe that the suspect was still at large when the 911 call happens. Well, yeah. And he was, right? Right. So, they performed autopsies on the bodies from the Ortega house, and they found that all of the victims had been shot with a 9mm handgun at least once. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. So, on Christmas Day, because this was Christmas Eve, they interviewed Leticia, who said that despite the Santa Claus costume, beard, and hat... She could definitely 100% identify the shooter Mm. as her sister's ex-husband, Bruce Pardo. Investigators then went back to Brad's house where Bruce was obviously found dead and they searched his car. That's when they found that there was $17,000 strapped to his legs. Um, How did it not get burnt up? I don't know. Good call. So once Bruce's autopsy was finished, investigators were able to conclude that he had in fact committed suicide and that there was no second shooter. Okay, but, um, oh, God, forgive me for this, but I'm picturing, you know, the, like, fr- the um, John Cusack scene from Say Anything where he's holding, holding up, up the, the boombox. R- okay, I'm picturing the Santa Claus with the boombox, only he's playing 
with a flamethrower. Talking heads burning down the house. <laughs> oh, see, and I was thinking, let the bodies hit the float. Let the bodies hit the well, float. That was the second. Oh, yeah. wait, that was the first song. Burning down the house was the second yeah. song. So now the police, oh, the investigators looked into Bruce's past, and they had discovered that his ex-wife was Sylvia Ortiz, whose divorce from Bruce was finalized on December 18th of 2008, so exactly seven days before Christmas. So police dug deeper into their divorce to find out if it had anything to do with Bruce's death, and they realized that Sylvia's maiden name was actually Ortega, which meant that she was one of the Ortega siblings who had been killed on Christmas Eve. There is some speculation that the divorce may have caused Pardo, may have been caused because Pardo was concealing a child from a previous relationship. This child was severely injured when swimming in a swim any swimming pool accident several years prior. Was mentally inc- like mm-hmm. yeah, and he had never told her. Oh, when nice. the couple wed in two thousand six, they soon grew apart because R- Pardo refused to open a joint account with her because he didn't want her to find out that he was paying child support. Oh, for f- Why so, didn't he just open a joint account with her and then use a different account to pay the child support? Well, then he expected her to take care of their three children on her own finances. So in June of 2008, Bruce was ordered to pay $1,785 a month in spousal support. Then when his divorce was finalized shortly before the holidays, the spousal support ended up being waived since he had lost his job. Bruce's employer had realized in July of 2008 that he had been fraudulently billing clients for hours that he didn't actually work. Motherfucker. Shocker. So he was also required to pay Sylvia $10,000 as as a part of the divorce settlement. Um, Sylvia kept the wedding ring. Well, he had all that money strapped to his dad leg. Right. She kept all of the, or she kept the wedding ring and the family dog, rightfully so. Um, In a court declaration, Pardo complained that Sylvia was living with her parents, not paying rent, and that she spent lavishly on a luxury car, gambling trips to Las Vegas, meals at fine restaurants. That's not his business. Right, massages and golf lessons. A reporter said that the divorce shattered Bruce Pardo. It became his obsession, and Bruce began to plot ways to get back at Sylvia. I think he decided that he wasn't just going to kill her, but he was going to kill everything that she loved and take it and wipe it completely off the face of the earth. So Bruce's neighbor said, Bruce's neighbor says, I still wonder if the suit hadn't lit how the story hadn't lit up, how the story would have ended. It may have been a much different ending. Now, in 2006, Leticia told Oprah, I, she's the one who survived with her mm-hmm. eight-year-old daughter. She said, I can't do anything to change what has happened. I can only focus on the future. This is what he's done. He's done enough. I'm not going to allow you to consider, continue to consume us with your evilness. You don't, want to anger, you don't want that anger to live within you day to day and grow, just right. like it did with this monster. So... I would like to take a second and tell you the names of the people that have died. Sylvia Ortega Pardo was 43. She was his ex-wife. Wow. Alicia Sotomayor Ortega, 70, mother-in-law. Uh-huh. Joseph S. Ortega, 80, father-in-law. Charles Ortega, 49, brother-in-law. Sherry Lynn Ortega, 45, sister-in-law. James Ortega, 51, brother-in-law. Teresa Ortega, 52, sister-in-law. Alicia Ortega, 46. 
Ortega Ortiz, 46, sister-in-law. Michael Andre Ortiz, 17, Mm. nephew. Wow. So now this is something I don't normally do. And I tried to work it in and I tried to work it in and I couldn't work it in. So I'm going to tell you, I have to read an article. And we've got a couple of minutes, so we'll see if I, how fast I can do it. This was an article from the Associated Press. It was published on March 14th of 2018 at 7.24 a.m. Updated it April 19th, 2008 at 9.24 p.m. It's called The Survivor of Covina Christmas Massacre to Join Protesting Students at Pasadena Walkout. Oh, wow. Katrina Yusuf Polsky was eight when a man dressed as Santa Claus shot her in the face and killed nine of her family Mm. members with guns and a homemade flamethrower at a Christmas party in Covina. More than nine years later, Katrina is 17 and joining a growing number of teenagers who have survived gun violence and are demanding change to weapons laws. She and students across California and the U.S. are walking out of their schools for 17 minutes on Wednesday. Each minute representing a victim of the February 14th shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Katrina and her close friend created a video that helped spread the word and walked out of their school in Pasadena, telling peers that it is their duty to stand together as a generation and demand change. I lived through it. Oh, girl. Listen, I lived through it, and I'm still living my best life I can, she said. It's not stopping me, and it's not instilling fear in me. I want that change. I don't want other families to go through what me and my family went through. Katrina was the first. Which she lost most of. Right. Katrina was the first one shot when her aunt's ex-husband, Bruce Pardo, burst into her grandparents' home on Christmas Eve in 2008. He immediately began shooting, then used the flamethrower to torch the house in Covina. Katrina underwent surgery to remove bullet fragments and close to the wound, and closed the wound in her cheek and that she got before escaping. Wow. Her mother, Leticia, who also escaped the massacre with her other daughter, has worked to make life as normal as possible for her girls and for her niece, whom she adopted after the girl's wow. mother died in the attack. She has tried to teach the girls not to give power to their family's killer, to continue celebrating Christmas, to associate Santa with good things, and nice. to honor their loved ones by living life to the, with a purpose. Katrina, a junior high schooler now, is doing just that. She loves playing softball and wants to keep it up in college while she studies business. She plans on going to an elite school, possibly Harvard or Amherst. She tries not to sweat life's little irritations. I remind myself I'm okay, that these are minor details in my life and I will get through it, Katrina said. I've survived being shot in the face, shot in the cheek, and losing my family. A test is not going to break me. Recently, she has been inspired... Perspective! People. Right? Recently, she has been inspired by teenage survivors of the Florida shooting and their determination to effect change, even though plenty of adults don't think they should have any say in the discussion over gun laws. When her friend, Bella Merez, also Pasadena's 100th Rose Queen, came up with an idea to make the video spreading the word about the walkout, she immediately asked for Katrina's help. I really want our generation to wake up. We can make things happen and make long-lasting change, Bella said. Katrina said the, the, the video and walkout have become part of her healing process. I know my family. My angels are here watching me, she said. They're seeing I'm finally going to make a difference and stand up for something that needs to be changed. I'm fighting for them. She said that their grandchildren played video games and hung out near the backyard pool. On the second floor, they are take a 17-year-old grandson, Michael, packed away at a computer. 
While Pardo arrived at the party, many of the adults were in the front of the house and people, as people were beginning to leave, making them especially vulnerable in the attack, sources say. According to relatives, one of the Ortega's son, Charles, recognized Pardo after the gunman shot his eight-year-old niece and his brother, James. It's Bruce, at least one person rep- reportedly cried. Charles Ortega was shot after his brother, James, was hit. Wow. Irma Chapa Ortega, a first cousin of the adult Ortega children who lives in Mexico, said James and Charles Ortega struggled to get up even after they were wounded. Even bloodied, they got up and they stood up and they tried to grab him to stop him, but they couldn't. The elder Ortegas, Joseph 80 and Alicia, Alicia 70, and their three daughters slipped under the dining room table along with at least one daughter-in-law. She, she said she had been in contact with some of the survivors. Although eight, although the eight-year-old was wounded, as was a 16-year-old girl who got shot in the back, the only minor killed was the 17-year-old who was sitting at the computer on the second floor. Chapo Ortega said Michael was apparently killed by the explosion or fire started by the two tanks that the Pardo had fused together to create the device capable of quickly engulfing the home. A law enforcement source said it appears Michael was killed as a result of the fire and was not shot. Michael Ortiz, mother Alicia Ortiz, the daughter of Joseph and Alicia. Now, 13 kids. This is what got me in all of this. 13 kids were orphaned that day. Wow. How sad is that? Yeah. Not okay. Not okay. So on that super sad note, and I am so sorry. I've never had to quote and read an article but there was nothing I could cut out of that. Ar- no. That article was the, the no, most was amazing awesome. thing ever. So I would like. We're not to- going into gun control, but let's have a little bit of a little bit of control and a little bit of monitoring. Right. So let's all say thank you to the Associated Press for that article because after reading everything, hearing what this eight-year-old girl is doing with her life. Right. Yes. Made it almost easier to swallow so that being said and i hate to do this because i feel like i feel like the ortiz family deserves more and we just can't give them more but it really is a terrible terrible thing and what got me was the very final line 13 children were orphaned well but you know what let's just go with the ones that survived are resilient and, and they're strong. and they're they're taking control of the situation, and they're creating Using, their whole own healing. Correct. And so, and hopefully for other people. Right. So on that note, Barb, tell me something oh. good. Meow, meow. Um. Hmm. Hmm. I yeah. Well, I went on a field trip with my daughter. Did what? Did we talk about that the last time? I think you were talking... About going on it? Yeah. Um, went on it. It was a May balls. Amazing. Okay, so it was actually a field trip to the Holocaust Museum in Michigan. Mm-hmm. But the super awesomest thing about it was at the very beginning, they took all of these high school students, 10th grade high school students, into this room and they had a guest speaker who was a survivor. <sighs> Heavy Ooh. duty. I think it, I think that was the most impact. I mean, that was the most impactful part for me. And my sweet, sweet, sweet daughter was like, mom, 
when that 95-year-old man, she didn't say 95-year-old, but he was a 95-year-old man, was up there talking, I just wanted to go give him a big hug. And it was just, it, it's a really cool thing. I, I, I just, I, I'm not saying that, that the Holocaust was a really cool thing. I'm saying that the fact that they're still teaching it to kids and the fact that there's a place like that where we can go and they so, can get some perspective. So my sister went to Auschwitz. Wow. Yep. And she toured Auschwitz. And she said the worst thing you'll ever imagine with the Holocaust oh. is when you walk into Auschwitz and you still see the bloody handprints on the walls. Or well, see, there was... Okay, so for the most part, it was like people had donated like the some of the outfits. The attire. And, and, and they had like these little like dioramas of what the... Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the city in Poland where they had like the big ghetto in the middle of the city mm -hmm. you know and it looked like little Lego pieces that they had put it to make it you know and hit home but um there was a couple of things first of all they had a replica of a box car a cattle car that these people were transported mm -hmm. in and you know we were it, there was about 22 24 of us and we all got in there and the, the guy, docent who was taking us around was like, okay, imagine like a hundred more people in here. You know, like made it pretty real. And then there was this section that was like very well walled off that you didn't have to see if you didn't want to. But like they were talking about how Harry Truman, our president, said as soon as they liberated the concentration camps, um, they were like, he was like, get in there with video cameras, get in there with pictures, take pictures, take video, because in 50 years, the Germans are going to try to tell us that this was not real. Which is happening. The Germans don't believe. They don't he teach said, it. He said, so I want this to happen. And it was so, and in, in, in this hallway that was like cut through diagonally through a room, so in the corner, there was like five or six different video cameras going off with video from the actual video and there was like piles of bodies. I a, I've got a photo album downstairs if you'd like to see it. And there was like piles of bodies and it was a video videotaping and like they were showing these bodies and then all of a sudden one of them would blink. And these people were still fucking alive. I it's, should it's show impactful. you my photo album because my grandfather was a World War II vet and he was in charge of cleaning up the concentration camp. Um, okay, well... So my tell me something good. Yes, let's get off of that. That was something good bad. The something good was still somehow dark. So my tell me something good has got to be that Christmas is starting. I'm going to get my house together once Christmas is done. I got amazing gifts from Barbara Jean. Um, it, it's Christmas season. I've been bah humbug all year. I have been bah humbug the last month. It is literally just something you that know has to be done. Tonight it clicked when we were like... When, giving gifts that's honestly, what that's what it just was was right before the show i got to give barb my gifts i got to get barb's gifts and uh, it was like just uh, that's see, what it's about just I, just and, to see the amount of the love in the las vegas candle and how much work i put into your your bad influence and it just <laughs> it makes you i, I put feel, a lot of work into being a bad influence as you well you do put a lot of work into being a bad influence but it makes you feel the love so no, I finally, I, yeah. it finally connected tonight. Because it's not about like buying your kids so much shit. It's not about, it's, it's right. It's about like buying the gift that you can't wait to see them open. Right. It's about not necessarily getting shit. 
Right. But Barb took the effort, the time, and the love to get me to Las Vegas because she knows I'm homesick. So that is the meaning of Christmas, and I really needed that, and you gave that to me tonight. I'm glad. So Barb, today, you are my tell me 